Hello friends, so excited to tell you about the new Trade Show University YouTube channel where we have five minute pro tips, we've got longer training episodes, we've got expert interviews, and so much more coming up. Many of these video versions of the podcast episodes that you've enjoyed, plus there's videos there of content that is not available on our podcast, so please go to YouTube, search for Trade Show University, hit subscribe, and binge on those videos, which, which I have designed to help businesses get more leads, more sales, and more profits through the power of trade shows. So go find Trade Show University on YouTube and tell a friend. Welcome back to campus here at Trade Show University. This is the podcast that is going to help you get wildly better results at all of your trade shows, events, virtual and live. I'm just so excited you're spending some time here with me today. Jim Sturmack here. I'm your host. And today I've got two amazing guests on who are going to be talking all about priming your audience to be prepared to receive your message, your marketing, your branding. And you're going to do it all using play. It's a fun topic. These are two amazing people, Paul Miller and Don Daria from Energizing Events. You're going to love them. They're going to be coming on in just a minute. Before we do that, when you're preparing for your upcoming show, I want you to think about it like you're going to a new city. When you go to a new city, we rely on our GPS system, right, to be able to get around, to find those places we're looking for. Without it, we'd be completely lost trying to find our way around. How did we do it back in the day? <laughs> I have no idea. What I want you to think about, your next show. Your next show is like that new city. Even if you've been there before, there's always new things going on, new attendees, and you've got to figure out the right way to navigate. The best way to do it is through your show success roadmap. It's developing that roadmap, that success strategy that's going to help you get unbelievable results that you can't get on your own. I invite you to go over to tradeshowu.biz slash roadmap and sign up for a free 20-minute call. See if it makes sense for you. It's going to help you get better results. You're going to maximize your ROI. Absolutely crush your goals. So get over to tradeshowu.biz slash roadmap and sign up again for that free 20-minute call. You will be so glad that you did and you'll have that GPS system for your next show. So now let's go talk to Paul and Dawn. Welcome back, everybody. This is going to be so much fun. Uh, I have known these two guests for a little while and have just fallen in love with what they do because what they do is so unique and the way that they get audiences engaged is just uh, is just really, really special. So pleased to have on two guests today, Paul Miller and Don Daria of Energizing Events. Paul is a national touring comedy juggler and Don is an award-winning author and educator they promote play with a purpose. Now, whether the goal is mindfulness and well-being, an energized audience, or a supercharged sales presentation, their flop balls and flopposophy are an ideal tool for engaging and enriching audiences. Paul and Don, welcome to Trade Show University. Say hello to all the trade show professionals listening out there. All right. Hey, thank you so much for having us. We appreciate uh, the opportunity to be here with you today. And hello, everybody out there. Oh, my gosh. This is going to be fun. 
just everyone hearing going, okay, flopposophy, what is flopposophy? But let's, uh, so let's, let's start by that. Let's start ta- by talking about, uh, uh, just give us a quick, uh, quick overview of energizing events and what you guys do. Yeah. Um, so what we do is we use uh, play, uh, specifically kinetic play, uh, think juggling like play um, to engage people. Um, it gets people up and moving, exploring the physical world, um, you know, in a physical way, you know, in their body. Uh, and it, it, it's really just, it's, it's energizing that, you know, that's in our name, but people like moving and engaging with the world around them in fresh ways. And by creating that space for people to have that experience, um, they're more open to learning, to connecting, to growing, um, and that sort of thing. So why Our, would, well, go I was ahead, gonna, I was go ahead gonna expand on the, uh, the philosophy, uh, over the years of teaching people these skills and getting them outside their comfort zone, we found that it's often not the skill itself. That's the biggest challenge It's people getting in their own way. And so we've developed some strategies to help people get out of their own way so that they can perform better at the skill. And what we found is that these strategies not only help them with that skill, but also help them perform better in their personal and professional lives. And so that's what the philosophy is, is the strategies to help them perform at the skill, but then also help them better in, in their per- personal and professional lives. Very cool. I, I could see already, and I'm sure the audience can can understand already that how you two complement each other so very well with the, the different uh, takes <laughs> that you have at, at what you do. But why, for, for a show, uh, you know, for a company, for an exhibitor, show organizer, why is play so important when having these kind of these kinds of uh, sessions? Oh golly! Well, I mean, you know, think think about it. You know, think about your own personal experience in play. How do you feel when you play? You feel, I mean, you feel authentic. You feel grounded. You feel connected to the people that you're with. Um, you feel happy, you feel good, you feel connected to your youth when maybe you had less stress in life. So play is the vehicle for that. And, and if you're at a trade show, you know, and and you're selling uh, a product or a service, you know, people, people buy from people they like people, you know, make emotional decisions for purchases and then they fill in a blank with logic and, and, and facts and data. So if you can connect with people on that emotional level and that authentic level in a playful way with play through play, um, you're, you're, you're halfway there to a sale or at least communicating your value proposition in a way that people are going to be best positioned and primed. So does play really work for like any audience? It really does. Um, and we've seen it, um, you know, we've in, in the course of, you know, we've been exhibitors at a number of different types of trade shows. Um, and then we've worked in workshops and we've worked, we've done these, uh, we've used play as energizers or energy boosts in big conferences and with all different kinds of audiences, whether it's bankers or, um, you know, all different kinds of audiences and it, and it works. Um, whether they come in kind of buttoned up and, you know, not ready to like kind of skeptical as to what, what's about to happen, but you know, within a few minutes they're there and they're ready to play and they're open to the experience. So 
uh, we, we've seen it happen. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it, it, it's important too to, to recognize that, you know, we have different play personalities. I mean, you know, think about the people that you know and love, you know, people play in different ways. And uh, Dr. Stuart Brown, a play researcher, identified eight different play personalities. So there's an opportunity when you're creating um, an oppor- uh, when you're creating a space for play to um, to think about how to broaden it and how to make it inclusive and accessible. Um, you know, cornhole, that's play. That's a very specific kind of play. And that's great, you know, but if, if you're not a kinesthetic player, if you're not somebody that, you know, likes throwing beanbags into holes, um, it might not appeal to you. So that just gives you an opportunity to, you know, think more broadly, like, okay, we're going to incorporate say cornhole in a, in a, in a, in a event, but how can we, how can we support that with other types of play um, uh, so that we can be more inclusive and bring more people in? I love it. And I, it kind of takes me back to something you said earlier is, but, and that's childhood. We all, that's, that's such a natural thing as, as, Young humans, we just love to play. We we find we don't find uh, we don't look for work. We, we look for ways to fill our time with play and entertainment. And so I could definitely see for audiences, even like like Dawn, like you said, even the most buttoned up audience, if given the right stimulus, they're gonna they're gonna open up. They're gonna start to enjoy themselves. They're gonna want more. And so I could see how that could be a great benefit. There's actually uh, recently a study at the University of Colorado, Denver, where a professor brought play into the college classroom. Now you'd think college classroom isn't a place for play. And she wanted to see whether bringing play into the college classroom, not tied to the curriculum, what an impact that would have on the student learning. And she ended up seeing a huge impact. Um, Some of the things that she found was that it improved learning because it increased relational safety uh, and created a warm, inclusive environment for the students. It removed barriers and lowered stress. It increased positive emotions and motivation for learning. It also increased engagement and openness to learning for the students. And it improved learning because learning was more realistic, meaningful, personal, and applied. You know, it was applied to their life, you know, it was applied to them. And so for a group of college students, again, they don't play because they're, they're more grown up. It's work for them. Right. And so even for that group of that age group, play had an impact when she brought it back into their learning. So play works. Um, and so they were, they were more primed for their learning. So we're, we're positing that for adults, the same thing when you play with them, whether it's at your trade show booth or in the middle of a conference in between keynote speakers, it primes them for the learning that's about to happen. That's amazing. It's amazing because I I started, I got goosebumps a little bit there. As I, as I was thinking about at a trade show, what do we want to have happen? As an exhibitor, we want people to learn about our company, how we're different, how we're better, about our service, about our product. And you want them open. And a lot of times when exhibitors are walking past your booth, they're not very open. They're just walking past your booth. They don't want to talk to every single person. They don't have time to talk to every booth. But 
They do want to talk to you if you have something that is of value to them. And there's only one way to find out is if you get them open enough to learn a little bit. So play, adding play to your booth. Okay. Oh, okay. Now I'm excited. <laughs> so hopefully people are starting to nod and go, okay, okay, tell me more. So, but now I know that there's also, there might be barriers going up on people saying, okay, but I am not a playful person and if i how do i engage people to get them into this so what uh how important is it for uh for people who are uh, maybe a little less un, less comfortable with with reaching out uh how important is is being vulnerable in maybe in, in these times uh, expand on that a little bit yeah i mean it it's it's hugely important right i mean we connect with people and you know we might not be able to put our finger on why we like them or why we don't or why we're put off or why we we feel more warm around them but it, it comes down to authenticity and um you know being being a warm person being vulnerable being just being human um and and that comes out in play and that's a challenge for us because we're not really taught how to do that and especially you know in a in a in a selling situation is sort of this built-in, you know, uh, uh, adversity, you know, us against them. And, you know, they're <laughs> trying to sell us and I don't want to buy. And so there, there's, there's that tension there. So, I mean, how do we cultivate that in ourselves, you know, for the trade show, how do we cultivate that for ourselves in life? And how do we do that? I mean, we can do that through play. We can do that through improv, you know, take an improv class, take a stand-up class, take these, Take, you know, join a softball team, engage in a way where you're putting yourself in that situation where you're getting practice engaging in that way. Um, you know, I mean, if, if we work with a, a group of people and, and, and say we're doing the flop balls, you know, and, and, you know, I know the listeners, they'd have to go to the website to kind of see what that is, but it's kind of like a juggling toy that you throw and catch using the backs of your hands. You know, nobody has any experience with that. And so you might come to that with this expectation and, oh, I've got to be good at it. And if I'm teaching and engaging people, like I got to be the expert. No, no. I mean, this is a perfect opportunity for you to, you know, engage someone walking by and say, hey, check this. Have you seen this? This is pretty amazing. You put it on the back of your hand, you, you throw it and it, there's no expectations that you're going to be good at it. So if you can laugh at the experience of messing up and, and fumbling and just kind of like uh, being goofy and picking it up and trying again, you know, you're, first of all, you're doing yourself a huge service because you're taking the pressure off the presentation, but you're also giving other people that permission to engage and say, oh, that's kind of like weird. Oh yeah, that is kind of fun. And oh, it's hard. And oh, it's, oh, I had some success. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it is a challenge because if we're being vulnerable and we're being open and we're being honest and we're connecting with people there, there is a vulnerability there, but the play kind of gives us a safe space to do that as opposed to, you know, trying to become vulnerable, you know, when you're talking about your, you know, your software stack, that's going to help, you know, uh, a company better track regulations or, you know, um, uh, you know, compliance, you know, so, uh, did that make sense? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. I, I believe it is. Donna, do you want to add, add something there? Well, and going back to the study of the college study, you know, it created relational safety and a warm, inclusive environment, right? Play does that, but part of that was the professor, the environment she created. And so, yes, it's really important that the, 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 
person setting the environment creates that space. And so that vulnerability is a key piece of that. And so being willing to drop, if you're, if it's in the case of what we're doing, you know, throwing and catching, if you're showing a trick, if you drop, how do you react when you drop? Mm, Are you getting frustrated and, you know, hiding it from the person that you're demonstrating in front of, or are you laughing and saying, oh yeah, that's part of it. Let's, let's, you know, and, and, you know, what tone do you set? Um, and you know, I speak from my own experience that, you know, when we first were demonstrating years ago, like I didn't want to demonstrate a trick. I didn't know I could do hundred percent of the time. Uh, and it took me a long time to say, to realize like, oh, demonstrating a trick and messing up in front of people is okay. And it gives them permission to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Paul's fine doing that. Paul's fine messing up in front of people, you know, <laughs> and laughing and have, making it part of the show. I wasn't okay with that, but it took me a while to realize that there's actually benefit in doing that for people and giving them permission to do that too. And the important thing is then how do you react when you do it? That is a great benefit because you don't know who is walking in front of your booth and you don't know. I I think of uh, some other things like where you'll have a, you'll see a putting green or you'll see a, a target you have to throw a ball through. Now all of a sudden you've got an expectation of skill, but if you can come up with something and we'll, we're going to talk about the flop balls a little bit later, but, uh, but something that is more neutral where everyone's at the same, at the exact same starting point, you have, you have created an environment around your booth and uh, of that's more welcoming. And uh, as long as you can have that uh, that more vulnerable personality and laugh at yourself and have a good time with it, you are going to be engaging people naturally that are going to want to say, hey, what's going on there? <laughs> that is, that's yeah. fun. That's fun. So how can not just not just uh, this, but how can games contests, how could those be used effectively to really bring people back to your booth? Yeah, well, so um, one of the ways that we do it using these flop balls, uh, they're really versatile. You know, you can kind of play with them and you can do individual tricks with one. Um, You can do some passing contests, which, you know, uh, in the last year and a half, we've been doing a little bit less of that. But, um, you know, you can you can you can uh, stack them up and you can flip stacks. So there's lots of different ways that you can play with them that kind of lend themselves to competition. So, uh, you know, we were at a conference uh, last year and we, we had a stack flipping contest and we had people participating, you know, and then we'd put their name up on the board to show how many they got. And then pe- people would come back and they'd see if they still have the, the lead, you know, and we'd oh. give a prize to the top three. So you've got people kind of coming back and bringing their friends and, you know, say, hey, I'm still top of the leaderboard. Um, so that was a nice way to, to sort of have people come back that you really build relationships with, you know, over the course of the conference. But then, you know, it's important whenever you have a game of skill like that, that you also broaden it out so that you're rewarding participation and not just skill. Mm-hmm. So in a stack flipping contest, you know, we'll award prizes for the top three, but we'll also pick three random people to award prizes too, just so that they get their name up on the board. And even though they're not a leader, they still have an opportunity to win the prize. So you know, because you don't want to have a situation where it's like, oh, I'm not going to beat that. I'm not going to play. I'm not going to participate. I'm not going to engage because now you're turning people away because they feel threatened. And that's not the goal. The goal is to create an inclusive, uh, you know, a space for people. 
And a fun story on that was one woman put her name up on the board just as a, she's like, oh, I won't get the record, but I'll just participate. So she put her name on the board, you know, having stacked two. And she's like, well, let me see what happens. I'll try three. Let me see. All right, I'll try four. And then she kept coming back over the course of a couple of days. She ended up being a record breaker. So she wow. had a negative mindset to start thinking, oh, I won't be able to get the record. But then, of course, she ended up doing it because she she ended up progressing. Um, so thinking about, you know, progressive skills that will bring people back um, or progressive games that do build on skill that could bring people back. Um, but again, as Paul said, like, how do you rope them in to get yeah. them to participate in the first place? No, I was going to say some great things for for uh, for companies to really consider. I love the idea of a leaderboard in whatever you're doing to get people to say they come back. Oh, am I still in the top spot? Am I still in the top five or whatever you're rewarding? But also at the same time, you're giving people just just try and we're going to put your name in the drawing anyway. Whether you're in the, hit the top three or or not, we're still you still have a chance. You still have a chance to get people to try out and get them to experience and, and don't miss that opportunity while they're doing their little game of skill to get them to learn more about your company, get make sure you're taking time to qualify them and all the all the things that are, are the basics of working trade shows. Go ahead, Paul. I'm sorry I cut you off there. Oh, no, no worries. Yeah, I mean, I, I was going to say, you know, get twice the benefit if you have some sort of play, you know, if it was uh, like we use juggling kinds of props, if you're giving that away, now people can also be playing and practicing on their own. So they're engaging with your product, they're engaging with your brand, you know, while they're sitting through sessions, they might be holding it or fidgeting with it or playing with it at night, then they're coming back. So they're developing skills that's kind of connected to your brand. And then, you know, they've got this thing that they're taking home with them that reminds them, oh, I learned how to juggle. I learned how to, you know, do this Kendama trick. I learned how to flip things in the backs of my hands. They're bringing these back to their office and it's, it's a part of their life and, and it's, it reinforces that memory and that experience. You know, the flop balls, we say, you know, it keeps your brand uh, top of mind and back of hand. Because honestly, <laughs> they stick around on desks, in pockets, they get carried around. And we meet people years later, they're like, I have my flop ball on a desk. So um, look for opportunities to have a game that has some sort of aspect that people can kind of take with them or a skill they take with them that they can share with other people. Very cool. Very cool. I love that. That's great, great stuff. As we, we kind of uh, turn the corner here, why don't you give everybody the top one or two takeaways you really want them to, to learn from today's discussion? For me, I, I'd say that, you know, play reduces barriers to connection. Uh, play is how we natively learn and grow and connect with others. So if you can find an opportunity to leverage that, it is an incredibly powerful tool. And as the former teacher, I'm going to just say that we learn by doing, not by listening. So just think about how you can engage people in an experience, engage their, their different senses um, as much as you can. And I'll, I'll just go with the Confucius quote here. I hear and I forget. I see and I remember. I do and I understand. Oh, that's powerful, powerful stuff and really reinforces everything we've been talking about today about adding play to your, your trade show, your booth, your, your event, your conference, your, your uh, workshop, your seminar, anything that you're having to do it when you're in front of your target audience involving play, getting people uh, up and doing so that they understand all about, uh, about your company. 
Thank you so much for sharing so much great stuff. Tell people a little bit about Flopposophy, uh, just a, a quick 30 second of that, and then how they can they can uh, connect and engage with you guys. Um, well, the Flopposophy, as I mentioned, are the strategies that we share with folks uh, when we're doing workshops and our keynotes. Um, and then the Flopballs themselves are, are um, Paul, do you want to take the Flopballs? Yeah, uh, the flop balls are our primary tool for engaging people in play. It's something nobody's ever seen or played with, so it's completely fresh and unique. Yeah, I see you have one on screen. Uh, <laughs> they're soft, round, flat, sand-filled sacks that you play with on the back of your hand, and it turns the whole experience upside down and gives people a fresh space to engage and connect and grow. Fantastic, and everyone, you've got to you got to see these things. So, where can they where can they learn more about flop balls and c connect with you two? Yeah, I mean the best place is energizingevents.com is our website, um, and we get some you know some great examples and videos showing just what it looks like in practice, what it looks like with people authentically engaging in play, people that uh, definitely weren't expecting to have the experience, and it shows you uh, just how much fun people have doing that. And then uh, flopball.com, if you, you know, want to see all sorts of pretty pictures of uh, flopballs. And that's uh, F as in Frank, L-O-P, ball.com. Outstanding. And I will make sure to drop all of their con contact information into the show notes. Dawn, Paul, thank you so much for, for coming on, for sharing. Hopefully the wheels are spinning for everyone listening as to how could they how can they in incorporate play into their own trade show, into their own booth and their seminars, workshops, all that stuff, because it's such an important tool. And and everyone, get to their website and check out what they've got to offer because they are fantastic in helping you and your audiences connect in better, better ways. So thank you, too, for, for joining. And everybody, please continue to come back. This I felt this was really a university class today. So thank you, Dawn, for leading the way today. So keep coming back here to Trade Show University, and we will we'll see you next time. I hope you enjoyed that fun interview with Paul and Dawn. And for sticking it out this far, I want to give you a free gift. Go over to tradeshowu.biz. Right there on the homepage, sign up for our email newsletter, and I will send you my top 52 trade show tips. These are going to help you increase your, increase your results, increase your sales and leads. These are the best of the best, my favorites. 52 of them, one for each week of the year, or do them all at once. But just get over to tradeshowu.biz. Trade show the letter U dot B I Z. Sign up right there on the homepage. Drop your email. We'll see you next time.